welcome back to the Evolution Pod Club. I am your host, Jackie Seiden. All right, so this is going to be fun. You may by now understand that duality, as in seeing things as good or bad, right or wrong, only exists in physical reality. And you've heard us say there's no duality in the non-physical. There's only love energy and love is perfect. So we're constantly trying to bring you back to a place of neutrality on all things in physical reality to help you see the truth of physical reality, that everything is actually working out all the time, that everything is based in love, that everything is perfect, that there's no wrong, everything is right. Now, that is the truth on a non-physical level, but you are living in physical reality on purpose. You chose to come here and experience the contrast of right and wrong, good and bad, to adopt beliefs that are limiting about yourself, about others, and the conditions around you. You wanted to see if you could see through the illusion so that you could expand in love. In other words, Without all the things in your life that you deem difficult, awful, painful, or lesser, worse, bad than that, you would have nothing to grow from. You would have nothing to learn. And if you had nothing to learn, you wouldn't exist at all. So in order to make life a little bit easier, we say to embrace all the things that are hard. And here's another way to find gratitude for all the things that are hard. Satisfaction. So in order to feel satisfied, you have to, in a way, have experienced some kind of struggle. For example, okay, if you're trying to open a jar and it's stuck and you're, you know, you're trying, you're trying and the lid, it won't move. And you, one last time you give it all you got and suddenly the seal pops and the lid comes off, you feel great satisfaction. It's a really good feeling. And, you know, you see this with kids all the time. A toddler is trying to stack blocks and the block on top keeps falling over and he's trying and trying and it's maybe getting frustrated, but maybe, maybe leaves, maybe comes back to it. But at one point that toddler is going to get that block to stay. And when it does, it creates this incredible rush of positive emotion in the child, right? An emotion of accomplishment or satisfaction. So imagine that without any struggle, you could not feel satisfaction. In the non-physical, everything is effortless. It's easy. It's limitless. So you just think of something and it appears. You don't have to work for anything. There is no need to effort and struggle. You can manifest anything at any time. And when things are that easy, there is no satisfaction. Not, Not in the same way that you experience it. And yes, of course, We're always telling you that you don't need to effort and struggle in your life. And we mean it because we understand the laws of the universe and the effort and struggle is slowing down the manifesting of all the things you truly want. But the effort and struggle is a part of the system. And without the effort and struggle, how would you appreciate the things you have and you accomplish and the things you learn? So, you know, it has a place. And you're never going to stop the struggle in physical reality, but you can lessen it to a greater degree. Life doesn't have to be so hard. And what's funny is that the more you appreciate the struggle, the less you will have to struggle. Now, listen, we can see that 
This is looking to the conditions to make you feel something. You can interpret it that way. And we understand that this may go against all the principles that we've been talking about here. But the idea is to find a way to embrace the struggle. Understand that it doesn't exist in the non-physical. There is no duality there or here where we are. So to us, whether or not the jar opens doesn't matter. It's the same. The outcome is not good and the other is not bad. It's neutral. And where you want to get to in your life is a place of neutrality for all things. But since you aren't neutral about all things at this point, there is great expansion to be had in the appreciation for what is difficult because it can lead to the appreciation for what is easy. You don't need to earn the things you want, but it sure feels good when you do. And that's kind of fun. And that's something you can only do in physical reality. So the more you embrace the difficulty and the challenges of life, the easier it actually will be. Acceptance. That is what that is. It's acceptance of what is. And acceptance is unconditional love. Because when you are in the non-physical, you will once again be one with the limitless version of yourself, the version of you that knows profoundly that you are a being of love and acceptance, the truth of who you are. It will feel natural and easy and it will be obvious. And at some point, you will actually want to return to the physical reality to feel once again the duality because you can't feel it in the non-physical. Being a human is the greatest gift for the soul. Look around you. Everyone you see is source, believing they are individuals. Everyone has been granted the gift of life. Everyone chose their lot to learn specific lessons for themselves or for source. To expand all that is for the sake of expanding, not to earn or gain anything, but to expand because the more is just more, not good or bad. It's the curiosity, the interest. It's really, really kind of wonderful and crazy and thrilling. We think it is. And we envy that you get to feel, actually feel with your hands, that you can hug and kiss and cry, that you can experience, you know, warm chicken soup when you have a sore throat, that you can feel the satisfaction when you open a tight jar. What a thrill life must be. It's that simple. So can you focus on all the things that seem so small? Because that's where the magic is. But of course, you know, it's not magic at all. It's the wonder of all creation. But you know where the magic's not? It's not the, in the fame. It's not in the riches. It's not in anything of the material things that you think will make you happy. So, you know, listen to us. Your happiness is in your perspective of your reality. Find the joy in the little things and you will open yourself up to have anything you want. But of course, once you do that, you won't need it anyway because the feeling of opening a damn jar of pickles will be everything you ever needed. And now I'd like to open it up to the girls, girls, to the girls, the ladies, of the pod club. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, fun. It's just sort of a different sort of take on things. Instead of constantly saying, 
neutrality. You are a being of love. Everyone is a being of love. Everything is perfect because that is helpful when you're in a situation and you're trying to find a higher perspective. But we are in reality dealing with duality all the time. Things we're constantly putting in a category of right or wrong. And so because we have that, how do we find appreciation for the fact that we have that? And how do we find appreciation for the fact that things can be hard and difficult? Well, we can appreciate it because here we get to appreciate the satisfaction of accomplishing something or achieving something or manifesting something. Now, again, that is sort of looking to the conditions to make you feel good, but it's something you can't do in the non-physical. So it's kind of cool that we can do it here. It's all just trying to sort of see life as a gift and understand that everything really is perfect. And even when things are not going well, it's so cool to be able to feel good when you feel like things are shifting into going well. That's nice that we get to do that because in the non-physical, if you just think of something, it appears, what kind of satisfaction comes from that? It's kind of boring after a while, you know, here, Jordan, you buy a house and every time you walk into your home, you have that moment of satisfaction that I manifested this home in my life that I love. I wanted it. I dreamt about it. I did it on my own. And I'm proud of that. Everything in these walls is mine. It's all things I chose that I love. I manifested this beautiful home. I think that's pretty cool. As opposed to non-physical, we just think of, I want to see the home that I lived in and it's there. And then there it is. (laughs) There's something cool about sort of the effort and struggle and the journey that got you there. And so it's kind of going, yeah, I, I am proud of that. And I do see how it all led here. And I, I do understand that I worked on Broadway for many years and, and I've worked in this, a new fitness industry and learned about companies and I'm doing all this stuff. And look what I did from that. <laughs> I bought a home. That's cool. You know? So it's just something I thought as it was coming out, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. If there's effort and struggle. It's not a big deal. Sometimes it, it leads to a great deep appreciation and satisfaction for what we, hey, what we accomplished, what we do attain, what we are able to do. Now, attaining anything, manifesting anything, does it any of it mean anything? No, but that satisfaction is freaking awesome. So, you know, let, I'll take it. I love that perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take that. Yes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I love that. I'm so happy it resonates. Well, just to add to what you were saying yeah. in terms of thinking about, um, yeah, focusing and appreciating the, the effort and the struggle. I think another thing that is so cool with, with doing this work is in that effort and struggle, you also get to know yourself more deeply and like completely you know sort of discover these these sides of yourself that before this awareness you you would just focus on the effort and the struggle right yes and now you're you're interacting with it yes what your part you're playing in it and what it's doing to you how you're interacting with that effort and struggle totally i love that perspective so much because we're always have been sort of looking at the thing we're focusing on the thing but now we're focusing on our relationship to the thing because that's 
our vibration. It's our relationship to everything in our reality and our perception of everything in our reality is our vibration. So yeah, it's our relationship to whatever the thing is and our emotions that come with it and the effort and the struggle and the satisfaction, the gratitude. That's such a great way to say it. It's our relationship to everything experience in our life. Right. And also revealing, you know, to ourselves, parts of ourselves that we may not have known about or had access to. And like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what were my pre-birth intentions and what did I come here specifically to explore? And now I can sort of see clues in, you know, the manifestation events as they're happening. I'm like, what was that about? Oh, okay. Ah, you know, this is the thing I, I, wanted to explore, you know, and learn something from. So I just wanted to add that to you. I comments. yes, that piece of it too is is awesome because we'll never quite know what our pre-birth intentions were, except for the big ones, the general ones, which was to try to see through the illusion, to remember who we truly are, that we're beings of love, we're limitless, and to express our love to everyone in our reality. But yeah, there were some more specific things. But what I love about what you're saying is there are clues. And if you're paying attention, that you're sort of discovering, oh, I can see, I see here what's going on. Then you can sort of figure out what you're doing here and, and then find sort of purpose in that. And what a great gift. And yeah, you're constantly learning about yourself. I mean, listen, it's a journey of self-discovery. The ultimate truth about yourself is that you're a limitless being of pure positive love and acceptance. That is the only real truth about who you are. So anytime you're discovering more about that, being that or not being that is your self-discovery. But within those parameters, considering the time and place that you chose for your birth and your parents and where and what and how, then you do start to understand that you've conditioned yourself your whole life to have beliefs about yourself and set up these constructs for yourself. And so it's learning about yourself within those constructs that you set up. It's kind of like the macro is that we're always learning. We're a limitless being a pure positive love and acceptance, but on a more micro level, we're also learning more about the intricacies of our unique perspective and our personalities within these constructs that we've set up. And the more you sort of excavate who you are, it's very enlightening. It's very helpful. And it sort of aids in our journey, especially in our relationships to other people. It's also very healing because we have so much pain that we carry from other lifetimes, from our childhood. So the more you learn about yourself, there's a lot of healing in that process as well. And I think like we, we I think we mentioned this last time we spoke about uniqueness and, and its uh, relationship to worthiness. Yes. And so, yes, even though we at that macro level all sort of have this, like where we know what we are sort of, but, you know, it's that unique expression of, you know, what does that look like in you? Exactly. Uh, different in me. And yeah, yeah. Exactly. What creates that unique perspective? No one has lived a life in your shoes. None of the lives, not to mention this one, no one can see the world the way you see it in this moment in time and never will be able to. And that unique perspective is proof of your worthiness. That is extremely helpful. That is why we split up into so many 
infinite life forms because source wants to know your perspective and that contribution aids in the expansion and the growth of source. So gosh, if that doesn't make you worthy, what does? <laughs> like, like you're looking for like a certain number of likes on Instagram or you think that makes you worthy? No, like we're talking, you're worthy. <laughs> no one can ever, ever see anything the way you see it. And, and that is pretty cool. I, I want to follow up on a previous um, podcast we had. Whatever happened with like the beach house? I'm just curious. We got it. You did, <laughs> but, but it's not the same one. Jess. Oh, I didn't know which one I had told you about. So there was, oh, we'll talk about perfection. So yes. So just a quick, quick recap for anyone tuning in. Um, there was definitely a divine moment where I found myself on the beach with my father-in-law. And at the same time, we both had the inspiration to talk about real estate where I was sort of asking him something and he was sort of telling me something and we'd never had this discussion before. And it turns out that the apartment next to my in-laws was vacant and not for sale, but vacant because the owners had been renting it. And so Jason and I put an offer. We were super aggressive. This is funny, actually. We went back and forth. They gave us a huge number because they weren't interested in selling. And we were already giving such a premium. And we were like, fuck it. <laughs> the great thing about this is now we're like, we started looking at other properties in Redondo because we thought maybe this isn't the perfect thing anyway. But the excitement about that apartment opened us up to getting a place in Redondo. We did end up finding a place quite quickly, which is very insane because there's no inventory. But I will tell you the day we went into escrow, the guy came back to us from that apartment and accepted our offer. <laughs> it was like weeks later. So we had the option and we chose uh, to move forward with the new apartment, but it was so funny. <laughs> just, just the perfect, the divine perfection of the whole thing. But now we do, we have this place and I'm so excited. Every time I think about it, I get excited. We haven't brought the kids there yet and they're going to lose their minds. And I just can't wait to get it together so we can spend more time there. And um, I've got a place for my parents to stay and his parents live nearby and it'll be so, listen, does it mean anything? Is it good or bad? No. Is it neutral? Sure. But does it feel satisfying to me? Yes, it does. <laughs> and I am going to take it and I'm going to milk it and I'm going to relish in it. Thank you for asking. Jordan is like doing the gesture of like milking the teat of a cow. <laughs> And yes, I said teat. Um, thank you. Because I think I was listening to some podcast or a channel and it was, you know, everything is neutral. Nothing has inherent meaning. Nothing is good or bad. And I think here in my life, I enjoy the things that make me feel good. And I enjoy the duality of that. Um, I do have a story. Can I tell you guys a story? I meant to tell you this. So, all right, for anyone listening, you all know I love Bravo. I mean, I've said it a million times, but I've forced myself to watch other things on TV. So I'm watching um, Surviving Death, which uh, the first episode is about near-death experiences. The second couple are about mediums. And then I haven't gotten to the fourth and fifth, but it's sort of in, you know, in the realm of all the fun stuff we talk about. 
and I'm watching the Tyler Henry one, which sort of like hurts my heart because he's so enlightened and so talented, but doesn't have the perspective. And so there's, there's a lot of contrast happening and I want to, I just want to like hold him. And then um, I'm reading these books. So I'm reading these books, the cosmic cradle, which I highly recommend, especially if anyone has a fear of death, this will help you so much. It's people who have memories pre-birth it's pre-birth memories. So interlive memories, it's memories of their conception, memories of their birth, when they were in and out of the womb, when they attached to the womb, these, do you have that Jordan? Do you have memories? Wait, do you really? Whole. I was going to tell you last week, but, um, but then it just didn't come up or to whenever that was. Wait, but, um... Are you serious? We need to discuss right now. And then I'll lead into my story after, but I, wait go he pulled out her pen (laughs) I did I want to know I'm because people so of course if you read this book if you're listening and you're super skeptical understand this was written by um doctors and scientists there's a lot of research the way they did the research was very scientific very cosmic cradle cosmic cradle it is mind-bending it's so incredible I love it and and it's still much like near-death experiences these memories that people have expand their consciousness and get them closer to remembering who they truly are in this lifetime. But there's still limitation in the perspective. So when you watch like near-death experiences, you see how it expands people's understanding and consciousness and how it expands all the people around them and how the more people that hear about it, you start to sort of maybe play with the idea there's something more going on here. And so it's serves such a purpose, but it's still a lot of perspective is still limited. It's still through a human lens. So you'll see people who've had these incredible experiences, but still when they're back in their bodies or even someone like Tyler Henry, you still see the belief in right and wrong and not understanding that there's perfection. And it's the same with the pre-birth. It sounds like a disclaimer, but my point is, everyone's perspective is unique. And so any of these experiences happens through a very unique lens. And that is how it is described. Okay. Wait. So, okay. Cause there's all versions of this things. There's people who remember like 30 lives. There's people who remember being on like 40,000 different planets, people who remember literally the conception watching bird's eye view of the parents. I know that sounds gross, but choosing the parents, changing their minds. And there's evidence of hearing a fight or so when they're at four years old saying, I remember when you had this fight about this with daddy, the day before I was born, stuff like that, where the parents, yeah. think, how would you know? Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. But then there's people who just have memories from when they were really little and, and they're and being in the womb and the soul going in and out. And okay. I keep saying the same things over and over. Go ahead. I'm a pleasure to layer. So I'm just, okay. I won't delay. Yeah. No, I don't know how much pleasure this is going to bring, but um, ever since I was little, I have told my mom about being in the womb and I would tell it to her. And she was like, you realize that you can't remember that. Right. Yes, you can. And I was adamant about it. I, when I was lit as, as like, as soon as I could talk, I would talk to her about the things that happened when I was in the womb and these, you know, I, there's a specific memory about opening drawers and having balloons float out of drawers and like things that you, I wouldn't have seen at that point. So I wouldn't have known what they were. And so she was always like, Oh, it was a dream but they, it was as young as I could talk. And I was adamant. I was very adamant about how it was when I was in the womb and certain things that I heard and remembered. 
Isn't that funny? I am covered head to toe in the chills. I need you to read Cosmic Cradle. I you said this to me last week, and I so I, that's when I almost brought it up, but we had too many things to get through. We've been friends so. for so long, and you've never said this to me. It's like I'm sure I have, Jackie, and I'm sure it wouldn't have resonated the way that it does now because it's like when we're just sharing things, and I'm like, I remember from being and being in the womb. <laughs> well, and that's you the know? thing because the whole it's so important to sort of facilitate that in kids when they do say it to believe them yeah. so that you can because here's the thing, and this is in the book too, and I want you to try it when you're reading it of how to sort of cultivate those memories so you can start to remember more and they get more vivid you can sort of get in touch with that part there's a girl who i went to high school with who posted on instagram her son said something she's like this is interesting i'm not a believer but i found this funny he was conceived through ivf and there was some comment about um when you were born he said with the help of a scientist he's so little he doesn't know about ivf and so i just sort of dm'd her and said listen I know you're not a believer, but maybe ask him some questions and just see if he has any memories. And I keep asking Pearl, if she has memories. She does not. And I have been talking to Sage because the other thing they talk about is, and this has become more prevalent in fetal care that, you know, to talk to the fetus, to communicate with your baby, that your baby hears you. There's a lot more. And a belief about that is when I was pregnant, we were told to do that all the time. You talk about how you want the birth to go have a relationship, but the depth through which these spirits are so aware of what's going on hear everything, see everything or completely understand it all until they're about three or four months based on these studies is sort of awe-inspiring. So I had these, did I tell you the story that I had these talks? Sage was all about his dad, all about his dad, all about his dad. N not a big deal. I'm totally fine with that. I love that he loves his dad, but I was reading this book and I was inspired to have a conversation with him about when we did our gender reveal. And I was a little disappointed that he was a boy, even though I always knew I was going to have a boy, but I'd only have Pearl. I didn't know what to do with a boy. I was only familiar with the girl. And I'm sure I made comments all the time that were just kind of shitty with my friends to make them feel better too. And I had a hard go of it, which is how I got to all this work when he was born. Doesn't matter. The point is I had, I had a talk with him and I just said, I want you to, oh, also he's a white male. And I felt some like weird sort of privilege was going to inevitably happen. So I never talk about him being a boy, like ever. And so I said to him, listen, I may have said things when you were in my tummy or when you just came out of my tummy that may have been hurtful, but just so you know, I was just afraid and I love you. And I'm so happy you're a boy. You're such a light in my life and you bring me such joy. And I can imagine, you know, another spirit and I love you and anything I could do, let me know. And I know you can hear me. And even though you don't have the words now, one day, I know you'll be able to have the words, but just know that if you need to tell me something, I will hear you in my mind. If I tell you ladies, our relationship changed instantly. He became all about mommy, which it does not matter. But my point is it was just sort of empirical evidence that something shifted. He, our relationship changed that day. So I'm excited. To, I'm like hoping he has memories. So you remember a specific memory of opening a drawer and balloons coming out when you were in the womb? Yeah, I just remember talking also, Jax, I was going to say in that cognition course I took, the, the, which is, I think what you're referencing, but they've done extensive studies on the development of the actual functionality of the ear. I was going to say, hearing, yeah. 
extensively so they can actually tell you at the amount that a child is hearing at every stage in utero too but the brain has the brain has a hundred million more synapses connections than adult brains their brain is actually wired with way more connections than ours is so it makes sense and then as they get older those die off it's crazy science totally backs this up which is like bananas but do you have any memories of sort of floating out and then being in and floating out or can you, can you meditate on these memories and see what else you can get? I can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember telling my mom about the drawers. That was a big thing. Um, and nothing like that existed in our home, the way I was describing it. But I just remember telling her about being in and I would point at her belly and say, when I was in there, when I was yeah. in there, I would this, that, and the other. And she was like, so, no, do, you think no, you, do you think you stopped indulging in those memories because you thought, because she didn't believe you. So now I want you to yeah, probably, and I'm not to no fault of her own, but I, no. it became kind of a, a fun, funny thing, you know, like how Jordan remembers, Jordan remembers being in my belly. So I'll have to ask her about it now that in hindsight, it'd be really interesting because this has come back up. Oh my God. I need, I want you to cultivate these memories and come back and tell us what you remember. Yeah. Like the, like the list of pre-birth intentions that I was making during well, while in utero. <laughs> well, you'll hear this. This was like another thing that all these different people all over the world, cross cultures, everywhere. They sort of talk about this moment before birth where they're standing, they're sort of describing it as like a computer screen or just a screen where it just has all the decisions, all the choices based on, who you're going to be and the things you want to learn and that you have options of living this life or living this life. Like you, that animated film soul. Well, okay. So that's another thing about soul. And I said this to my mom yesterday, they must have done research because specifically another vision that a lot of people have across all ages, all over the world is this vision of specifically earth, because there are, let's just say there are thousands of inhabitable planets all over the universe. Okay. And earth is specific and that they, before they get to earth, they feel like a pull and all of a sudden they're flying towards earth, like just exactly like animated in soul. So when I watched the movie, oh, so many things from soul I've been reading about in all this different literature. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they did research. This is crazy. This is so legit <laughs> and the dimensions and how, and that's another thing. That's where I've gotten the understanding of people's souls, remembering their first thought and how weird that was going through dimensions and each dimension becoming more and more of an individual and then having the first thought. And then when they got here feeling, oh, I'm separate from my mom and from the trees and from the people around me, that's strange. And then there was this one about Eden with the beginning of time that everything was so copacetic because everyone was so close to remembering who they truly were and at one with the nature and at one with each other before fear had sort of crept in and created, you know, um, separation and individuality and all the shit that we deal with now. It's crazy, but this is so cool. And the fact that you're here and that you've had that experience, I just, this is so cool. I officially want to say, I believe you and I want you to meditate and give more information. 
Yeah, I I will for sure. Also, everyone in my family is like, it was dreams when you were a toddler. And I'm like, no, it it's wasn't. not dreams. It's very specific. I'm so happy that I, that, that this book came up too, because I think you'll feel very um, validated and connected to a lot of people who have these memories. And a lot yeah. of them as children were told, it's just a dream or your imagination, of course, mm-hmm. until they said, I remember the doctor using a clamp or whatever to get my head out and it hurt really bad. (laughs) It's just so crazy. Okay. So this is actually related to what I was inspired to do. All this talk about pre-birth, near death and mediumship. You know, you talk to mediums and people's parents pass away when they're super young and they never had a chance to say certain things or know certain things. So my inspiration was to write a letter to my children in case I die, like tomorrow. And my husband walked in the room and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a letter to Pearl and Sage. It will be on my desktop in case something happens to me. And his face was truly hilarious. And the thing that it did, even though it's kind of an insane thing to do, was one, it gave me peace because there are certain things I want to say to them about how I will always, always be with them and I'll always love them and they can do no wrong. But it also did that perspective shift immediately where you're imagining if you weren't here now. And so it made me so grateful and appreciative for the present moment and for them being little shits, you know what I mean? Where I was like suddenly looking at it with such love and compassion and appreciation. Whereas an hour before I wanted to strangle them. Do you know what I mean? So like it immediately changed my perspective. It's that thing of when someone has a terminal illness and you see how over the course, they start living life with abandon and, and doing all the things they've always wanted to do and connecting with people and really taking the most out of life. Well, if you imagine And I'm sure you've done this exercise in your life. What if I was going to die tomorrow? How would I live today? But, you know, we just don't do that every single day. But writing a letter to your children will get you there quite quickly. Or to anyone you love, to a parent, to a brother, to a sister. If you just write a letter saying, if you're reading this, then I have crossed over. And these are all the things I want to tell you. Comments, questions, or concerns for my mental health? (laughs) I think that reminds me of a movie that made, that just like broke my heart when I was a kid. And I think it was Michael Keaton. I know it was Michael Keaton and he makes videos because he has a terminal illness and he makes videos for his son. Do y'all remember this? Yeah. Like Mikey or something like that. No, that's a famous one. No. Anyhow, it was so beautiful and just heartbreaking. And I think that's actually such an interesting exercise to do Jax, just in a regular, like when you're journaling, anyhow, practice. To be journaling to them and and at this at this point in their lives, these are the things that that are going, you know, and and being able to leave that for them, you know, or yeah. hand it to them yourself if you need know, be at some point. You know what we should do as an exercise? Maybe I should try writing a letter to one of my activators. Ooh. I've been getting really activated lately by my activator. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should write my activator a letter. If you're reading this, I died. Fuck off. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> That's a good exercise because last week's theme was compassion too. So like getting into that place of compassion is big. Yes, exactly. I always thought if I had kids and I were going to be leaving and, and I had a, a girl, what are all the things I would say? And one of the first things is don't pluck your eyebrows. <laughs> that was a big thing. And I was like, I have to remind her, do not chew your cuticles and do not pluck those eyebrows. I always said I would never do that. And I did that in the early aughts, but what happens is they don't grow back the same ever. Yeah. <laughs> they grow back, not like straight. They stick. So now I, I didn't or they really, just don't grow back for some of or us. They don't grow back. You like kill the root mine grow back, but it's like old man syndrome. They like grow straight forward. I had to get them laminated just to get that fucking hair to go in the direction of my eyebrow. They're like, <laughs> So these are the things we need to leave to our, our female. I didn't, yes. I didn't do that stuff. I didn't do that stuff, but I could write a list of all those things. So I feel like her aunties and stuff could tell her that stuff. Yes. Uh, I think you should definitely, I think we should definitely write letters to our act, a journal to our activator. I think that's I'll do a journal. I'll do, yeah, I'll do it. Are you, uh, why are you, it sounds like you all have been getting activated too. Yeah. I am. And I'm like, yo, what? And it's the same stuff. And I know I'm up against the new limiting beliefs. I gotta, I gotta figure out like what did you write about it? Have you guys been doing manifestation event forms? At this point, I just journal and then whatever comes comes. But it's funny you said that because just today I thought, you know what? When this all started, I would just do a manifestation event form every night, my version of it, which is I would just write or journal. Anyone listening, if anything is going on in your life, you just want to process. I would just write, you know, what's happening to not stay too much in the vibration of the thing. And then maybe a couple lines of what it is. And then the emotion it's evoking in you, the negative emotion. And then maybe what the limiting belief is you think it is. Don't worry. It doesn't have to be right. And then prove that limiting belief false. I believe this person doesn't want me to be happy. And that means something prove it false. And basically what happens is as you prove it false, your inner voice will take over and do the talking. Unless you find yourself still sort of bashing, that means you haven't shifted. But if you've shifted into a message of love and understanding and compassion, you know you've shifted into your inner voice. And I was thinking, God, we were doing this every day. I should do that. Think of something that happened that day that created negative emotions and triggered me because now I sort of do it at a thought level. Like the second it happens, I'm like, okay, this is happening. This is why that's happening. I know it's not real. I know it's for me. You know, you start to just do it after a long period of time, you can do it really fast. But I think, I think maybe I'll go back and get into yeah, that. The big ones, the big deep seated limiting beliefs, I think are harder to do just in your head. Oh no. Yeah. Once it's, once the emotion is bigger than just like a little tiny thought of an then yeah, then it has momentum. So at that point, yes. There's multiples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm activated. So something's definitely knocking on my door and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's my homework. And when I say homework, I don't mean work. It's my joy. I will do that tonight. Cause what I've noticed is the same activator in my life for a while I haven't been bothered. Everything rolls off my shoulder. No big deal. But then suddenly when I notice it's not rolling off my shoulder, but there's a zing happening. That's just letting me know. I have some um, fears to process, which is good. I have a really, have a really um, pretty story to share. Good. I called my grandfather's wife 
a few days ago just to check in on her. She's just such an angel, just the sweetest salt of the earth, most genuine, waited on him hand and foot and because she just so cared for him so much. They married when he was 96. (gasps) She's 80. I don't know. She was in her late 80s at the time. They were married for about four or five years. Anyhow, just the sweetest woman. And my heart just broke for her when he passed. And um, anyhow, just the kindest. And so I reached out to her. She's just been on my heart. And I, I called her a couple of days ago. And I think she was a bit confused about who I was. Yeah. Um, and, and so I let her go with it and, uh, and start telling me a bit more about his final moments, his final day. And she had told me about it when I was there the day that he passed. Um, but she told me this story that she hadn't said yet. And she said there was a, a birthday party of her granddaughter the night before. So people were at the house a lot of people and there's a lot of kind of commotion. And my grandfather had for, for a couple of months at this point been in a bed permanently and that they set up in the living room, you know, for hospice. And um, so he was living out of that bed. He didn't move from it. And she said that when everyone left, she came up to, you know, wash his face, wash his hands and do their evening ritual, get him some water. And they spoke briefly and he said, who else is here? And she said, no one else everyone is gone. (laughs) Here it comes. By the way, what you're about to say is what episode five and six were about. And I totally forgot. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, and she said, everyone has left. It's just us. And he said, who is that standing over there Mm -hmm. by the fireplace then? And she said, no one is here. It's just us. Mm And he said, then who then, but look at her with her hand on the mantle. Oh yeah. And she leaned in and just gave him a kiss on his forehead and gave him some water. And she didn't think too much of it, you know, and he passed a few hours later. He was getting visited by everybody. It's so beautiful. I can't believe that that's the story you told because that was the missing piece from that series, which was visitations was was spirit coming when people are, 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 you know, toward the end of their lives or in other situations and they, the room is full. We're never yeah. alone. So what epi- well, sorry, what are these episodes you're talking about? I, surviving death. The thing I brought up, like all the way in the beginning of the podcast. That's on, is that on Netflix? Yes. It was yeah. near, it's near death experiences, mm-hmm. mediumship, ghosts. And then there's the final episode. I don't know, but that was the missing piece. And he just saw her in his final moments. I think think it was. Yeah. I think it was my grandmother, of course. Um, And who's to say it was a a friend. It was a kind, it was an angel, you know, and whoever that spirit was, was enough in human form that that's seemed appeared to be a human to him, you know? Oh, that's so, doesn't that bring you such comfort? Oh God. It's just like, absolutely destroyed and replaced my heart yeah you know just yeah. in the same moment all in one obviously mm-hmm. yeah just Thank yeah you. that's beautiful oh oh there's nowhere to go from that that's an amesing thank you so much for being here that was thank you for sharing your lives and your experiences and all the things that other people may deem totally out there i appreciate you taking this journey with me i love you all As always, this is Jackie Seiden and the ladies of the pod club sending love. 
Heidi, we're doing a, we're doing an epilogue to the podcast today because as we sort of closed out the podcast, um, you had a story for us that was quite compelling and awe-inspiring. And you are such an asshole that you have not mentioned it earlier. And yes, I called you an asshole on the Evolution Pod Club. <laughs> okay, so please tell us a little bit about your son, Knox. Sometime back, maybe, I don't know, less than a year ago. But while I was in this work, we were just riding in the car and he said, you know, mom, bad, there's no such thing as bad because bad is just an illusion. And it was, we were on the way home from school. And at first I thought he's trying to get out of something that happened at school. But the more I thought about it, you know, and I continued to, I was like, you're absolutely right. (laughs) You know, it's just society that makes us feel that bad is bad. Um, But uh, he also continues to ask me to do sit and do meditations with him. And then yesterday at school, just to be clear, he's nine years old. Yes, he's nine and kind of a fireball. Um, yesterday at school, he his teacher was texting and telling me that they had, were having a heated lunchroom debate where Knox was telling his friends that Santa Claus is not real and the tooth fairy is not real because we have no proof that they're real. And he only believes things that have facts that back them up. And that um, spirits are real, that ghosts are not real, but spirits are real because his spirits communicate with him because he has, he hears a clicking in his light. And when he looked it up on the internet, he found that it was Morse code for hi. So who knows? Wait, by the way, I do want to hear some distinction between what he defines as spirit and what he defines as ghosts. Maybe he thinks of ghosts as like, in the movies or like, you know, boo in the books with, you know, the white sheet sort of things. Yes. No, I specifically asked that question yesterday. I said, okay, so what's, what is different between a ghost and a spirit? And he said, well, you know, ghost is something that you see on TV and it goes like this, you know, floats across. Okay. But a spirit is something that is always with you. So I was like, okay, listen, and then I he said, the children our future. Okay. <laughs> and, and he went on to say, he goes, you know, kind of like grandpa, like grandpa's with us now as a spirit. And I said, right, because I have said that. So I said, well, and my dad was, he played the piano and Knox had his very first piano recital on Sunday. And I said, so do you think that grandpa was there with you watching you at your piano recital? And he was like, well, yeah. I love this so much. The children are so far beyond us. They are our teachers. We do well to just sit back and support and listen. And I'm so grateful to you and to him. I love that he chose you. You are the most perfect mom for him to be able to give him that love and just the gift of belief because that's a huge gift. Huge. I, like I said, we don't know where he's, what he's going to get at school or it sounds like the teachers sort of enjoy it too. Everyone's sort of crossing over into this more, this new approach to life, this more enlightened perspective, more openness, I would say. But the fact that you're his mom and that you have been embarking on this journey to learn more about this new perspective 
is it's all divinely schemed, right? So he chose you for that very reason because he knew you would be the perfect mom for him. I'm very excited. I think we all want to hear from him. So we're going to have him on. <laughs> Knox, cannot wait to meet you. The kids, they do, they say incredible things. And it's just important for us to listen. I love you all. That's so exciting. I can't wait to hear more stories. I love you all.